I was plugging my camera in, so, okay. That, this is going to be the outro. Fantastic. Jackson. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Break Dream Podcast. This is Jeff. This is Laura. We're here today with uh, Paul Eaton. Say hi, Paul. Hey, everyone. How you doing? This is a bonus episode because we have something really important to talk about. Um, some things are going on in Texas in the moment. If you've not heard, I'd be shocked. Um, but Hurricane Harvey has come through the southeast of Texas, and there's some ongoing rain patterns that were going on. At one point, I was worried that there would be an arc that needed to be built. And we decided to bring Paul on because... He lives in the midst of it. Um, so this is a quick episode to check in with him, one of our many friends who we care about. We care about all y'all, but he's one that we can pull onto a, a Skype call really quick and to see how things are going and also to give you some resources. So this is a episode we'll talk a little bit about ways you can contribute, get involved. But Paul, let's check in with you. What's up? What has happened? Where? Tell us a little bit about your situation. Okay, so I live just north of Houston. As you know, Hurricane Harvey came ashore near Rockport, Texas on Friday evening. Um, there's a lot of damage down there in Rockport. Rockport's just uh, a little bit north of Corpus Christi, Texas, if you're familiar with the Texas coastline. Um, and the storm stalled out, as many people know. It kind of just sat here for the last five days. So it started raining here in the greater Houston Metroplex on Saturday, and it didn't stop raining here until late last night, actually. Um, so that's it was raining for almost five days. And it's not like it wasn't just drizzly rain, right? It was like large bands of heavy, heavy rain for, for many days. So some areas of the greater Houston metro have received a year's worth of rain in five days. The greatest amount of rainfall in one city was 67 inches of rain that fell in wow. five days, That's which is an unbelievable amount of rain. Um, and so there's a lot of issues that have come up. Uh, this is still ongoing even as we talk. Uh, areas east of Houston, such as Beaumont and Port Arthur. It's still raining there as the storm uh, continues to slowly move away from the Texas coast inland into Louisiana. And I think that there will also be issues in uh, certain parts of Louisiana in the next couple of days, depending on how fast the storm moves. So it's been crazy. Um, I've never experienced anything like it. And lots of stuff that needs to be done now that the storm is over, so to speak. So, so Paul, um, Paul you in your place, um, everything okay there? Yeah, so I live in a city called Conroe, which is about uh, 40 miles north of Houston. Uh, in my area, there is some flooding in the city of Conroe, not at my particular house, um, but Lake Conroe and the San Jacinto River are both uh, above flood stage. They're also releasing water from Lake Conroe through some kind of dam system that they have there. So there are areas that are uh, flooded out here. There's a, a shelter open in our county um, where they're taking donations and housing people that are 
uh, displaced from the storms. But fortunately for me, I feel very lucky that um, we did not flood here. It was just very, very wet for five days. And so for five days, uh, for our listeners, you were stuck inside essentially because there was a no access to things outside. Uh, you were kind of, as they said, hunkered down and um, were there, uh, let's say, apartment locked with your pups. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, they were telling people to not go out uh, for obvious reasons, because when you do go out, uh, if you get stuck in a in an area that's flooded, then, you know, you create problems for the emergency personnel. Um, you have to be rescued. So before the storm hit, I, you know, bought up supplies and was ready to stay here. And yeah, I stayed in my apartment uh, from Friday until last night. And then last night, once the literally once the clouds like broke and the sun came out, I was like, okay, we're leaving now. So I went over to some uh, of my faculty friends' houses, but driving there was, was really weird because, um, like the, if you know the topography of how the roads are set up here in Texas, like the expressways, so you have like the main expressway and then you have these feeder roads, Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of like feed into the freeways. And most of the feeder roads actually are flooded over. So, you know, it's kind of crazy to see water just everywhere. Well, I think I saw the I-10 and it looks like um, it had choppy water. It had like white caps on it. And this is a highway. And the water went up to the top of those green signs that tell you where you're getting off in the next ramp. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's down in Houston. Uh, So basically, I think a lot of that water is receding now in the greater Houston area. But I-45, I-610 loop, 288, if you're familiar with the geography of the Texas uh, or the Houston, Texas road systems, they were all underwater. Hobby Airport, uh, the the runways were underwater. Uh, it was completely flooded, so they had to shut the air. Both airports actually were shut down. Uh, Hobby reopened this morning, and I think that Houston International is going to reopen tomorrow. Tomorrow morning. I'll be honest. You keep saying the expression, if you're familiar with Texas geography, I am not really, and I learned a lot during this time, and so did um, our friends and family, because I had to remind them that Dallas is 400 miles from Houston and um, some other Mm. spots, but I I think Jeff and I both appreciate the care that other people said, but uh, we were more concerned, because at one point, I think, Jeff, you sent me a boat from... Um, somewhere we could purchase to go down and do some support. And that's when Mm -hmm. we started talking. I'm like, we should talk about this on a podcast. But um, we are fortunate that we are not near there and our weather and climate is very different. So um, everyone, we are A-OK. I don't want to say the good weather we've had because I feel bad um, that people are are, are really struggling and are without homes at the moment or underwater because there's going to be even more issues, more with the flooding than anything. Um, there is devastation, sure, with the hurricane on the coast and Corpus Christi and Rockport, but I'm more concerned about the flood damage and the aftermath that's going to be coming up. Um, Jeff, did you buy your boat? Uh, n- no, but since I do have in-laws that live in Houston, I can, I feel I need to purchase one in case I ever need to go uh, get them out of there. Um, they're, they're not in... They're not in there's been a lot of talk of the Attics Reservoir recently. They don't yeah. live too far from that. They live to the east of that, though. And all of that water is running south. Correct. So that's still not going to really uh, really hit them. Um, but 
it's such a helpless feeling to to see um, what's happening. And so I really wanted to go by a boat just to go help because that's the only way you could help it as of now. Um, next week, I'm be going to Houston to do something somewhere. Um, my best friend's a high school principal there. His school is not too far from the um, uh, the main, not the Buffalo Bayou, that's the memorial, but whatever the main bayou is that goes to downtown. It's not too far mm-hmm. from that. So I don't know mm-hmm. if his school is damaged or not. He hasn't been able to leave his house. Um, and he has he has some minor damage, but nothing too major there. So I'll mm-hmm. be going to do something next weekend when I'm there. Yeah, so it's there's lots of problems that are going to like emanate from this. Yeah. Long term. Uh, you know, one is the fact that just any amount of flood damage, it takes an incredibly long time to clean up. When you think about like how much work will have to be done with gutting people's homes uh, or businesses that need to be rebuilt, like, you know, It's so much stuff. And I learned a lot about this last year when the Baton Rouge flood happened because I used to live in Baton Rouge and I had a lot of friends there that lost their homes to the flooding or I mean their homes flooded. And you just don't think about a lot of things that will have to occur when there's a flood. But for example, you have all this water come into your home, even if it's just a little bit, not only do you have to like rip out all the carpeting, get rid of all your furniture, Uh, cut out drywall up to the flood lines but in a lot of cases you have to replace the electrical systems Mm -hmm. you have to fix the uh any other sorts of you know like heating systems water systems all that stuff you can't your foundation might be shifted your foundation might have shifted Mm -hmm. uh there's just so much stuff and it takes a really long time. I think what people don't really understand about the scope of what happened here is the fact that the geographic area this impacted is just, it's bigger than the state of New Jersey. I mean, try to think about that. That's like, yeah. Well, Houston is like the fourth largest city in the U S like that's something people don't remember. Like a lot of people have moved into, this is one of the, like when we had the economic downturn in 2008, um, this was not one of the areas impacted. They had growth and people moved right. in for employment. And, and a lot of folks are from Texas, but lots from transplants from different area that for jobs and also Hurricane Katrina, we said, like, what's the percentage stuff? You mentioned this the other day. Uh, there are 40,000 people that are, that are living in Houston that were affected by Hurricane Katrina. And so now they're going to this again. What a nightmare. Yeah, we were talking last night, me and my colleagues, about how there's like a second generation now, right? So a lot of these people moved here after Katrina. Other kids are going through this, but here in Houston. So it's really crazy. And Katrina's anniversary was yesterday, 12 years ago. And that's still being rebuilt. They're on the 20-year plan. Yeah, exactly. I I, I felt that the... I feel that cities and governments and organizations have learned so much since Katrina. Like just the way this has been handled and organized uh, and responded to is is so much better. Mm-hmm. And um, it's probably. I mean, I I'm assuming I'm much. I don't know New Orleans very well. I'm assuming the 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 square footage of what's or the square miles of what's being affected here is far greater than yeah. Santa Katrina. It doesn't seem quite as bad, I guess, because they know how to respond to it better. Yeah, and I would say FEMA gave some, and we're going to put some links out. Like, there's still people looking for ways to be um, to get 
re be recovered. Some people are still being retrieved from their homes because um, they're on they're on the roof or they're at the very high points of where they can be. Um, so there's ways you can get involved if you can physically go there to help and help for assistance, or if you know someone else. There's web and mobile and text because I think that's something that folks are still looking for shelters. Um, they're going to, I know, different convention centers. We have a few small towns living in ours in Dallas. Um, Airbnb has opened um, its disaster relief zone. So if you have a, a place or space in your home, you don't have to be listed on there. We've listed our Airbnb for free there. But you can also open up um, a spot in your apartment or home and um, let people live with you for a while for at least the next month because it's going to be ongoing. And I see probably myself and um, the, the lads here in my house making our way down there because there will definitely need to be, you're right, infrastructure rebuilts, homes, <clears throat> roads, um, other things like even even the fur friends, we need to like, that's something I've been reaching out to some of our local agencies working with because I know a, a lot of animals came up this way besides people. Um, so yeah. And, yeah, and, and I, I think, think, go ahead, Paul. Oh, oh, I was going to say, you know, one of the things that I really want people to think about here in terms of coming to help is just that, you know, Houston is a major metropolitan area and it gets, a, it's getting a lot of attention because mm -hmm. of the enormity of the, the situation. But one of the things that I'm worried about, and we, we learned this when I lived in Louisiana after Katrina too, was the fact that you know, there are other places that are being impacted by this that maybe won't get as much attention, right? So like one of the things I'm worried about is that because there was this huge flooding disaster that people are going to forget that a category four hurricane hit and destroyed cities a lot like Rockport, Corpus Christi, other mm -hmm. areas around Victoria, things like that. And that cities like Beaumont and Port Arthur right now are completely underwater and they're not uh, necessarily. And then there's all these rural areas also that are underwater. People live there. They're going to need help. And one of the things that I think frustrated people, for example, in coastal Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina was that everybody sent all of their energy and money to New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And those areas sort of got left behind in some ways in terms of the support that they received from from the larger national outpouring of support. So uh, while Houston definitely needs help, if you're thinking of going to, to help people physically, you know, also think about maybe going to some of these rural areas or going to some of these other cities that aren't going to get as much attention because Houston itself is such a large place. That's a great um, point, uh, Paul. Yeah, that's. Uh, a great... I was about to say the same. I was about to say the same thing. I know millions of dollars have already been committed to Houston from uh, various yeah. organizations, NBA teams, and uh, mm -hmm. and and people. But um, Rockport and you know Port Aransas and all those places that yes. people probably have never heard of before. Like right. those, the the city of Fulton, and it was heartbreaking to see the mayor of Fulton talk about how our city doesn't exist anymore. And like those places are crushed, their high schools destroyed. Like like people can't even just like relocate to that town. There there a lot of them are here. Um, I'm sure some of them are going to the Rio Grande Valley because that's that's equally as close. Um, but there are a lot of places that are not going to have the resources and the star power that Houston's going to be able to to pull in to help rebuild. And so those are the places. 
and and what Paul said about the longevity of of these these builds, when FEMA said, this is these days are running together. Maybe on Monday, FEMA said that they're planning to be here for years to help. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. That is incredible because there was a flood in Houston last spring that yes. FEMA hasn't mm. FEMA hasn't finished their work with that, and now right. they're adding this onto it. And it's going to happen in Houston, probably not to this degree, but it's going to happen in Houston again because the way Houston has has does not have a zoning, and they've they've been building in their wetlands, um, it, they're just making themselves vulnerable to this. So I feel like this is going to keep happening in Houston, probably not to this degree because I don't know if you're going to have a low pressure system just sit there for however many days it's dead. But um, people have kind of talked about this and predicted this, and now it now it came. Um, I want to give a shout out to, uh, there's a conversation on, um, that I saw a thread on the student affairs professional group. Um, it's a higher education student services, student support group. That's quite large. Um, someone posted this amazing Google doc that's grassroots, um, you know, crowdsource that talks about different counties and areas and considerations of what you should donate, um, like items to bring to donation centers, as well as where and who to call, and includes some of those rural areas from Huntsville to um, Luling to Lagrange, like backdrop, like areas you may not know of that are taking in folks, um, areas that are in need that they've either had devastation. So I say kudos to this group that started this, and we're definitely um, sharing a link to this in our in our show notes. Um, they also have ways you get resources in Spanish, which I think is also great because we, mm-hmm. it is part of Texas that we are bilingual. <clears throat> Even though we don't admit this as a country, this the state definitely is. Um, and then the other document, I really appreciate someone had shared, um, and I had read, and maybe I got this through one of my other feeds, but it's uh, people of, uh, organizations focused on people of color for Harvey, because I think there's concerns in different things from um, immigration status to um, recognition of Latinx and black communities that are not probably going to get fully addressed. So there's a short list that this article curated. And we welcome others who have um, resources they they found and know of. Um, we're doing our best because they're, they're supporting things from diaper exchange to feminine products to um, disabilities. We want to make sure that we're reaching all of those. Yeah, and you know another thing that I don't think we have a good grasp on yet. Speaking of, uh, you know, there's lots of resources that are now being curated. I think what we don't have a good grasp on yet is the impact that colleges and universities are going to face. Um, just we're just slowly starting to even understand. My university mm-hmm. shut down until next Tuesday, but we're you know, and we're in communication with our students, so we know that some of our students have families that have lost their homes, some of them themselves have their flood, you know, their homes flooded. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a variety of different issues that students are going to face. Um, but even the universities, I know that some parts of the University of Houston flooded. I think there was some damage at Texas Southern University. Um, we don't, I don't know anything about whether Houston Community College or any of University the local Houston, University of Houston colleges. downtown is on the bayou. Yeah. Yeah, is. and actually, some of the pictures that they were showing showed the water, like yeah. in the building, like uh, again, right down there by the by the bayou. So, I think that's another area where we might want to. We're going to have to reach out to our colleagues at those institutions and see how we can not only help their institutions but also their students with 
the same things that happened at the universities in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, right? You know, students yeah, are going to need yeah. help with relocation, dealing with the relocation, uh, being able to focus on school, um, you, you know, all kinds of things that, that come up. Um, well, I know a lot of our Oklahoma and Texas universities have um, put messages, have messages put out from our presidents. Um, we're extending our registration period. It was supposed to end today, so it'll go for another week um, to let people enroll. Um, also, anyone that's impacted, of, like most of our schools feed other Texans. Um, so they are, Oklahoma and us in the north have um, put outreach and support. And there's also a consideration because we have a lot of for us we have a lot of online students and paul has this too um that they're in states but you may have some online students from texas in your other states outside of texas because they could be at your institution um to yes. take that into consideration and, and and putting a message out there so i know that i have an announcement i'm going to push out today to let people know about continued registration support for care like um in general like you need to have your well-being first um and so there's some messages that i'm putting out to the bigger um, classes I have, but also individual messages that I've got a few emails already from students that need um, some sort of extension or support, and, and what can I do? Absolutely. Good point. Yeah, well, I remember when this happened, I remember 10 years ago, um, a student walking in saying, I, I don't have anything, all my stuff is in my dorm room at, in Tulane, can I go to school here? And I was working at the University of Texas. Yeah. And then that was the first of many that kind of just randomly showed up. Um, some that were from there, some that they just happened to end up there. And the the school quickly kind of like rallied. So I'm, I'm hoping like those those um, processes are still in place. So when students show up on your doorstep, you can take them in for a semester or for a year or forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know, there's again, with the long-term ramifications, if students lost things, if if they have family that lost things, whatever the case is, there's emotional grief that goes with this. So making sure that our counseling centers have the resources to be able to provide services to those students, maybe in an extended fashion, right? A lot of campuses have limitations on the number of free counseling. So what can your, what, what can your campuses do in terms of providing those types of services or support groups for students who have gone through the the, the various crises that are going to rise out of this. Um, and, you know, we don't know everything that's going to come long term. You know, we're just we're still in the early days of this. Uh, there could be other problems that might crop up that we don't really have any sense about yet. Um, for example, I don't know what the city is, but I think that they were talking about like there along the Texas coast. There's a lot of petrochemical plants that have been flooded out. And apparently there's some plant that's like at high risk for exploding or something. So, I mean, we got to hope that that doesn't happen. But, you know, these types of things sometimes take a few days to work themselves out. So, Well, we, we don't have any further knowledge, but we wanted to share a short list now. So, if, so those of you who do listen and care and want to send your love to Texas um, – in different shapes or forms, it's there. And we, we did include, because we're thinking about stress, anxiety, and mental health, a link. So if you know anyone who's struggling, um, we put the National Suicide Prevention Line. Um, we put some other resources that you can reach out for supports individually or for others if you have any concerns. We think that's really important to address as well. 
Um, oh, can I make I one a... more? Can I make one more point yeah. about you know, things like uh, I, I've been hearing this, and I think this is actually true. A lot of times, what happens in these situations is people think, "Oh, uh, they need supplies, they need things, they need clothes or food or whatever the case is." Uh, we don't need that actually. Uh, there's already organizations that are saying they have way too much of that stuff that's coming in because it's an easy thing for people to do to kind of like donate that sort of stuff. Uh -huh. uh, and it creates uh, what's called a second disaster in that we have all of these supplies then that we don't know what to do with because we, we have to sort them, organize them, you know, all that kind of stuff. So the very best thing you can do is either A, donate money to one of these reputable organizations, and there's a whole list on this show notes, or donate your time by signing up to come and volunteer and help people gut their houses, help people clean up, do all of those types of things. I'm glad you said that, Paul, because Jeff was going to tell people to go into their closets at their universities and get those t-shirts out. So no, keep those t-shirts <laughs> in the closet. Keep the t-shirts uh, <laughs> because people need money to rebuild. That's really the thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Chef, what are your thoughts? Final thoughts? I was going to talk about the kind of hysteria leading up to this, but this is that's changing into a whole. I'm I'm jumping backwards like 20 minutes in a conversation. <laughs> well, we can do that. What what yeah. do you what do you mean about that? So so Paul, so you like you, you lived in Louisiana and you live in Houston, so you're you're in areas with not to get hit all the time, but but you you've been like disaster adjacent. Yes. Um, and San Antonio is not that way, um, and we are more to be on the receiving end of refugees from disasters than have a disaster come to us. And I didn't know this storm was on the radar, like literally on the radar. Not that it was not on my radar or on the actual radar until someone says they're evacuating, they're shutting down and evacuating A&M Corpus Christi. That's when I, I first realized this was happening. Yeah. So I looked at it, and at that point, it was a tropical storm. It might have been a Category 1 hurricane. And the next day, it was going to be more. And the next day, it was going to be a Category 4, and it was going to come to San Antonio. And yeah. so then it got real. The, the people uh, – I, I, I didn't want to underestimate preparedness. I also didn't think I need to have six cases of water because I have a faucet, and I have glasses and containers. Mm -hmm. I could have, like – poured water well in advance and a bathtub to fill up water if I need to. Mm -hmm. The amount of people at the lines at HEB were just un, like, unbelievable going into this. And so it's not that I was like going into this with an empty shelf because there was a time that we could have had, you know, 10 inches of rain, which would have caused significant flooding in some areas of town. And there was a time that we could have had 60 mile an hour winds, which would have caused down power lines. Yeah. So it's not to say that there was no um, possibility that nothing was going to happen. It ended up in San Antonio proper that nothing did happen. East of the town, there were cities that got they got flooded. Yeah. And where you are, where people are more accustomed to this, was that a similar type of reaction? Or did uh, they just kind of take it in stride? Well, I think that they were saying in the days leading up to the storm that this was going to be a significant rain event. Yeah. But and and there were people that like the shelves were empty at my local grocery store. Like I I went two days before things really started getting crazy and I actually bought some bottled water, uh, mostly in case like the water treatment plants went down or something. And mm -hmm. I have two dogs and, you know, all of that yeah. kind of stuff. So 
wanted to make sure. And I, of course, knew I could fill up the bathtub and stuff. And I did all of that. But um, and I got just basic supplies because I didn't think it would be that bad here. But yeah, I would say that one of the criticisms that's already coming out is, you know, there's this debate about, well, Governor Abbott said that people in Houston should evacuate. And uh, Mayor Turner said, no, you should shelter in place and do all of that kind of stuff. And of course, there's always going to be debate about these things after these events happen. You can't really predict. But I think in general, um, people took it seriously, but you know, they have memories of when this happened the last time. Now, I wasn't here yeah. during Hurricane Rita, but as far as I understand it, the last time they did evacuate the city of Houston, and then there were like 100 people that died on the expressway yeah. from heat exhaustion and from people not being able to get out properly, and then the storm didn't even hit the city, right? It, so, it took my in-laws 12 hours to get from Houston to Austin. Yeah, right. And... You know, so there's a lot of uh, any loss of life is bad, but given the enormity of the situation and the amount of people that live in the areas affected, so far I think there's only been 20 confirmed deaths yeah. from the storm. I mean, when you think about the fact that upwards of 8 million people are being affected by this storm, that's... There's a lot of people in that area. There is a yeah. large amount of people in that area. I, 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 I mean, I don't know if I agree. I, I, I totally see the, the mayor's point. And also you gotta think the areas that are affected the most are not necessarily in Houston. They're mm -hmm. all the small towns south of Houston that right. just got a lot more rain. And that's, a, that's even a different, in a different county, right? So if you're going to evacuate, it's a multi-county, multi-municipality thing. That region is something like 8 million people or right. 7 million people. And I, I don't, San Antonio can house a lot of people. We can't house that many, right? That's like seven times larger than our city. So like, I don't, like you can't you can't move that many people in that short amount of time. And unlike a hurricane, you have no predictability of where this is going to go. I mean, hurricanes are unpredictable anyway. But at least you know within two days roughly where it's going to hit land. Um, this this is a tropical storm, and I think people sometimes forget it didn't actually hit in Houston. Well, no. And, the, you know, part of the again, this is like if you understand hurricanes, too, this is what makes it so complicated, because originally the track of the storm was supposed to take the center into like the Corpus Christi area. Right yeah. mm -hmm. now, uh, it eventually when it was getting closer and closer, eventually it came ashore like near Rockport, Port Aransas, that area, which is just north of Corpus Christi, but just north enough that what ended up happening here is what ended up happening here, right? Like uh, if the storm had been come ashore 50 miles further to the south, it's not to say that Houston wouldn't have had the problems that it did, but you know, the, the areas impacted may have been different. Like San Antonio in that case might've gotten way more rain Right. Because and, you know, other parts to the southwest of Houston might have gotten the most of the rain. But it, so you can't really. I, yeah, it's it's complicated. And I think that we just we can only make approximate rigorous abstractions about what's going to happen with these things. And even 
even the significant rainfall event that they were talking about, they weren't predicting 65 inches of rain, right? Like they said on the Weather Channel, even after this all started, you know, oh, some areas might get 35 inches of rain, okay? Which is still a lot of rain, but it ended up being way more than that. So I just, I think it's, it's an imperfect science. I was, I, I was, um, there's a lot of uh, people that deserve credit. I think the, I think the public officials in and around the Houston area have done a great job. I, agree. I, I mm-hmm. the people from the Cajun Navy, the people who just randomly people from around the country, someone as far away from California that drove a boat over to help rescue people. Those right. are all, those are all heroes. The first responders have done an incredible job. I think the media has done a great job for the most part. Um, the one, my biggest criticism was when it didn't hit San Antonio, like when I went to bed at midnight Friday night, I, it was, it was coming at us and it was still going to be a category one when it reached us. So that was the message on the weather channel. I went to bed when I woke up, it was already downgraded to tropical storm and it kind of stalled over Victoria. Um, right. and, and it was clear it wasn't going to really get to us, but people kept like freaking out people kept saying like the you're still gonna get 10 inches of rain like eight inches tonight and like they kept like piling on this fear factor um of the amount of rain and i don't know if this because they already had people stationed in san antonio and they wanted to cover something or, or what it was but they kept predicting it, it was gonna happen and it seemed I'm not a scientist nor meteorologist in, in the sense, like, so I don't actually know how the science works behind it. It seemed clear that it wasn't going to come to us. I'm really fearful of this time next year when it happens that people are not going to, like, overreacting is better than not reacting at all. And I would much rather people overreact and be overprepared than not prepared at all. So I'm kind of, kind of afraid in the areas that there was an overreaction that people not take it as serious next time and be as prepared as they were this time. Well, this is the big risk all the time, right? I mean, yeah. because this is what happened again with Rita and probably why they were hesitant to get people to evacuate if they really could have done that is because it was such a disaster on the opposite end, right? Like we overreacted the last time, evacuated the whole city of Houston, and then it didn't even rain here, you know? So like you had 6.5 million people who left the city. And so, yeah, I... But and Rita and Rita was like a, a week after, maybe a, one to two weeks after Katrina. Right. So and people, it was a very different time because that yeah. whole hurricane season in 2005 was, you know, it was a disaster all along the Gulf Coast. Like they had multiple hurricanes. So you yeah. guys are no, more well versed in this than I was. I was living in Ohio at that time. And we did have Katrina victims. I was like, I don't even know what a hurricane. I was actually asking Jeff. I was like, hold on. Let me just tropical storm, cat one. Then, like, is this the order of, um, I think there is an awareness. And I was impressed by, I think, the action of the community as well. Like, people are like, all right, this is what we do. We need to load you up into a boat, and we're going to take you out this way. Like, I I was just impressed. And and hearing the goodwill of that community down there has been amazing. And I hope that people continue that and don't forget if it's even if it's not glorified in a news report or in a social media stream um, that it's talked about and supported well it's you know it's been a it's if you want to find a positive lining to the to the disaster 
which I think is always a helpful thing to do, it really has been a tremendous showing of community solidarity and people yeah. just taking mm -hmm. care of one another. I mean, and I agree with you, Jeff. Like, I think that the media has actually done a very good job of not immediately jumping to being like overly critical or, you know, whatever, whatever, just being like, here are the stories of people helping each other and opening up their homes or getting people out on air mattresses or taking their boats in and all this kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. we'll save all of the other stuff that needs to be discussed in the aftermath of these events for a later time. Um, yeah. And I think that's a really good thing, especially given the tenor of our national situation right now. Well, we'll leave that on a positive note and say, good job, community, media, Go community. and Go all everybody. the efforts, uh, those that are helping to do rescues. Thank you. Thank you so much. Paul, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for letting me come on. I look forward to coming back again soon. We've got Absolutely. other things to talk about later yeah, this semester. Yeah, we'll have you back. We'll, we'll talk about some other interesting things with you. So thanks, Paul. I'm glad you're yeah. safe and sound and your dogs dogs get to go outside again. Yeah, I can't wait to take them out later. They're going to be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Be well. Till next time. All right. Bye, all. Bye, Bye Paul.